welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour live from the Hole in the Ceiling studios in beautiful Deer Valley, Arizona. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. I hope you're having a beautiful, wonderful, glorious Thursday morning. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website, part of your daily routine. Make it part of it at allamericangold.com. We got the news. We got the videos. We got the articles. We got the shopping cart. We've got the medals program. It's all up there. We've got Twitter and Facebook and, and YouTube now. You can find us there as well. All of it at allamericangold.com. Uh, I was uh, telling Ramon, I don't know what happened this morning. I I don't have an alarm. I haven't set an alarm I, <laughs> years and years and years. I mean, I'm up at 5 o'clock almost without exception. Excuse me, I had a cough there. The uh, This morning, I wake up. It's 10 after 6. I was shocked. I don't know what happened. And, and and you know what? It's All of a sudden, like in the last week or two, it's gotten a lot darker. Usually, you know, before, like I'm, I'm leaving my house somewhere between 5 and 5.15. You know, if, I, if I'm running a little late, if I took a little extra time in the shower, maybe 5.30. And it was, you know, especially during the summertime, it's actually, it's light out then. It's dark still. You know, and even even this morning, so when I finally got up, maybe that's what it was. It was just the light didn't come out, and my body just took the extra time. So who knows how this show's going to be? I don't know. I pulled in here. Uh, the guy that owns the suite next to ours, he actually uh, beat me into the office, and he just said, he goes, I don't think I've ever been here before you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what happened. But anyway... Uh, we're here. I have a uh, mental alarm. <laughs> I set my head for quarter to seven, and I get up. Always works. Well, it never fails. See, it's based on your body clock. See, your body has an internal mechanism. It knows what time it is. Well, my body clock was off by a good hour plus this morning, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, who knows what's going to happen now? I didn't have all of my, my preparation time, my, my solitude uh, as we get ready, a, a lot of people talking about the tax plan, and and I don't know how they decide how it's all going to work, uh, but UBS came out and said it's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what they know that other people don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to read to you uh, the comment out of the, the DNC, which is so on. It's just... All of this goes hand in hand. It's kind of like the, with the football stuff and these, the disrespect for America. And and, and I, when I read the comments from the DNC, you kind of get my point. I mean, this is something you would think everybody would like to try to accomplish, right? All the Republicans and the Democrats and all. You would think, hey, let's get something done, right? Let's try to get something going, uh, but but. I don't know. I, I do know this. Uh, it won't be what was presented yesterday. We'll have to see, and, and I'm sure we'll do the, the whole thing, the whole watch, week after week, uh, hopefully not month after month of how long this will drag out. They still have to do a budget. So uh, I don't know. It's 
going to be October 1 here. The new fiscal year is supposed to start. And, and I know that, at least as of right now, there hasn't even been a, bu- a budget being presented. So I don't know how that's all going to work. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it's all going to play out. Uh, we're going to talk. I didn't get to it yesterday. I mentioned it briefly. Uh, Sam Zell, the state of the commercial real estate market. We will definitely uh, talk about that. We will talk also today, another thing I haven't gotten to in a couple of days, the $2 an hour factory worker in Mexico, another Federal Reserve head, uh, this time uh, Federal Reserve Governor Bullard. He is the St. Louis Fed governor. He was out saying no more rate hikes. And then we're going to talk about wholesale inventories. The city of Hartford now 30 days or less away from bankruptcy and the latest demands on the pension system for the state of Kentucky. So we're going to try to cover all of that ground uh, today, and then we'll see you know, throughout the day if things pop up. I know Paul Ryan is speaking right now. Uh, Cohen, who remember uh, Cohen was going to be he was kind of the leader to replace Janet Yellen. Now people think he's not going to be the guy. Uh, he was out talking about the tax cuts and said it, it was things that didn't make sense. There's no the wealthy aren't getting a tax cut, but yet they were. So I don't know a lot of confusion. I just wish people would just be honest. Wouldn't that, wouldn't life be so much better? You know, I, I tell my kids this all the time: the truth will set you free. Right? Wouldn't it just be great if we could get these elected officials, and some are elected, some aren't elected, to just tell the truth? Hey, let's just be honest with about with everything that's really happening. I mean, I'll give, you know, Janet Yellen, she couldn't even do it. I gave her a 50-50, right? Yes, she came out, oh, no, everything's great. We're going to raise rates. And then the second half of their speech, well, the truth is we really have no idea. Why don't we just start with the truth, and let's go from there? I know it's a novel concept, and I just I don't understand how, it, how we got here. You know, and, and, uh, and unfortunately, it's just going to make things a lot worse instead of a lot better. But, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to try to at least get to the truth. Patriot Radio News Hour, we'll be back right after the break. always say a bad deal never gets better so during the break i get up and and i'm i'm walking out of the studio and and i have a there's a phone here in the studio because the studio is kind of my studio slash office and you know there's a cord that goes across the ground so you know yeah i gotta step over like a you know what i don't even know a couple millimeter thick phone cord and about once a month or so i catch it on my foot and of course today that happens right because i'm just not in you know just not with it today the phone goes flying off the the desk smashes onto the ground which it i've done this a bunch of times so this this is probably right 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 you would think that I'd probably find a better solution, but no. And 
apparently I have killed the phone. The phone is now dead today. Uh, Arlene, though, I have Arlene. Thankfully, she's smarter than I am, said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go take the phone out of the other office, and I'll bring it in here. So then I can destroy that one as well, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, that's what happens when you don't get up on time. So we, we've, we've talked a lot about the housing market, right? And I'm concerned because it doesn't make sense to me, right? It, and what doesn't make sense to me is how can prices be as high as they are? And We're seeing all these bubbles now like Denver and San Francisco, and, and uh, I actually have a list of them, and if I get to them, I will, of the biggest bubble cities out there now. And you can't, and it would be fine, right? Hey, listen, if people were making 30 bucks an hour, $40 an hour, okay. But when they're not making any more money today than they were 20 years ago, and, and home prices, you know, are up by more than double, it doesn't add up. And and we've talked about how sales are falling and and how Wall Street owns now hundreds of thousands of U.S. residential properties, and and they all talk about the supply problem and and the fact that, you know, I keep telling everyone, listen, we don't have a supply problem. There's just no homes for under $200,000 anymore. And, of course, that's the homes that most people can afford. Well, the earlier this week, Sam Zell was on CNBC. He's one of those regulars. Uh, we call I call CNBC the the idiot box, right? It's the the debt cheerleaders, if you will, because and and kind of like what I do, you know. Obviously, we 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 sell gold, we sell wealth insurance, and I try to articulate why it is everyone needs to own some. So I'm not telling you to put all your money into gold. That you shouldn't do that. Just like you shouldn't have all of your money in the in the debt market. That's that's equally ridiculous. And everybody needs to have some. Right? And we all operate on the same premise, which is I hope it doesn't come to the point where I have to use it. Right? Because then, then things have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Well, they had a hard time, because then I watched the interview, in finding the silver lining uh, when they were uh, pressing Sam Zell about the value of commercial real estate. Now, here's another one of the things. When you start thinking about, okay, how is it we don't see these bubbles? And we know retail's decimated. Even in this town, right? The, Wendy, Wendy walks um, PV Mall. Her and her girlfriend do it, and they walk it uh, two or three times a week. So on Monday, and I, you know, of course it's Thursday, but she told me on Monday because her and her, and maybe I'm sorry, I think it was Tuesday. She said so. They walked on Thursday, and then they walked on Monday. And for those of you that aren't, you know, here in town and don't know PV Mall, I apologize, but just picture one of the malls in your town. You know the ones where all the stores are closing, and and this is not in a bad area. You know, it's not. This isn't a uh, a mall in the ghetto or anything like that. And she said when they walked it Thursday, then they came back to walk it on Monday. 
three stores closed, or, or well, one closed, and two others went put up their out of business sign. In just over the three day, the three day weekend, one of them was uh, Gymboree, one of them was uh, uh, Par- uh, Perfume Mania, and I forget what the third one was. But all these stores that had been filing bankruptcy and and closing. And we know that this is happening at a rate even faster than the Great Recession. And so Sam Zell's out there, and they're talking about commercial real estate. And he's kind of, this is how he, you know, guy's a billionaire, and this is how he's made his money. And, and they wanted to give a five-year outlook. Right, which I think is great because when you really talk about uh, when you're planning, especially when it comes to your finances and building wealth and all of these things, you've got to take more than a 24-hour, 30-day, 90-day view. You got to look out and look out five and ten years. Zell highlighted the significant excess of inventory. Now, remember, I've been telling you. Half of the malls need to close. Now, the experts that aren't me will tell you a third, right? I'm telling you half. And you think about how the cities have gone. I don't care if you're in Denver or Phoenix, if you're if you're in San Diego or L.A. or or if you're in Chicago or St. Louis. It doesn't matter. Every exit is the same, right? You got. The fast food joint, the strip mall, the fast food joint, the strip mall, the fast food joint, the strip mall, over and over and over. He highlighted that four to five times more per capita than what Europe has. In other words, the commercial space, commercial real estate. This is how overbuilt Zell thinks it is. And he said investing in the space right now is like catching a falling knife. You start with the fact that we have way too much square footage per person and and, and compare it to anywhere else in the world. So you already start with an enormously large inventory of retail. Three years ago, you can buy you you could buy an eight percent mall. You could buy a B mall, and it was probably an eight percent cap rate. The small mall three years later is now selling at thirteen and fourteen percent. Now, in other words, it's deteriorating, and it's deteriorating significantly. When the knife falls, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for people to step up and say, what are alternative uses? Pressed on whether right now might be the time to start looking at these uses. He And I'm going to quote here, an area that's in this much disarray with so many weak players. Okay, and this is the other thing, right, what I've been telling you about. We haven't even hit the big bankruptcies yet. They're coming. It is 
not an area where I'd want to deploy the, my capital at this time. And I'm generally a contrarian. But I think what we're dealing with here is very, very significant. Bluntly, the only way I can square anything is I focus on what gets done and not what's said, the billionaire said. On a measure of what's gotten done, I believe there is a very significant change since Trump. Right? And of course, and most of that is, is he's more pro-business. Unfortunately, it's not enough for me to deploy any of my capital. So when you're sitting there and thinking about where this really ends, if you have housing falling, automakers are shutting down. You know, the funny thing is, is they still insist that auto sales are okay, yet they're all closing plants. Uh, by the way, uh, GDP uh, second quarter got revised to 3.1%. They made, and just like I thought, they made zero change to the fallacy of the car sales. Uh, the one-tenth increase, they said, was farmer inventory. So I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, with with farmer inventory. Usually if the farmers are getting good prices, they're going to sell. And if they're not getting good prices, they're going to hold. So I'm not sure. But that was just to put that out there, 3.1. But Sam Zell was out and said, hey, this isn't it. Talking about what is happening now in in the retail sector, way overbuilt, four to five times. More retail space per capita than anywhere else in the world. And listen, nobody likes to spend like us. I get it. Part of the reason we have so much is we love to shop. We love to live beyond our means, but guess what? Our means are out. I don't know how it all really ends. I really don't. I mean, these malls are just empty. And and they're not empty because of Amazon. I mean, Amazon doesn't help it, right? But that's not that's not it. They're empty because people don't have any more discretionary money. Uh, Wendy was talking about, you know, Wendy's a big animal person. And I don't even know. I think she's got five or six dogs. She, she helps with the dog rescue and, and all of these great things. And she she really hates the pet stores. She does. Uh, because of the puppy mill thing, and I won't get into that, but she she goes, you know, that's the one place that's still open in that mall is that, is that uh, they got Choppies and the pet store. And she was saying they had this bulldog, you know, some British bulldog, I don't know what breed, but it was a bulldog, but they wanted $6,000. And... And Wendy said, so we went back, you know, she's been walking, walking, walking. That dog's been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. They've now got it down to three grand. And I'm sitting there like, who's got three grand? Who's got six grand to spend on a dog? Now they went, hey, how about three? How about you? Would you pay three? You know, you think about, hey, when I was a kid, you buy a car for three grand. Right now, it's a dog? I don't know. Championship bloodlines, allegedly, but but just 
this is why no one's in business anymore. But I just wanted to point that out. So I, I wasn't able to get to it. I wanted to get to it. Uh, Sam Zell was out on, on CNBC, out on the idiot box, and, and just telling everybody retail's got a lot farther to fall. And, and I just kind of just add that in to everything else, and I wonder why it is nobody talks about it. Why doesn't the Federal Reserve talk about it? Why doesn't Janet Yellen talk about it? All they want to talk about is inflation. Do you know, have you noticed that? It's all they want to talk about. And, of course, now they talk about, well, we're not really sure what it's going to do. And then I start thinking about, well, I don't think inflation's going anywhere if the retail space has got to continue closing, right? If housing is falling, autos are falling, I'm going to say that that's not a problem. But yet, stock market's at an all-time high, but nobody sees it, right? No one sees a bubble anywhere. So when you're looking out even five years from now, they're still not interested. So then I saw this article about the, I don't know if you saw it, it was in the Arizona Republic. It was all over online about what a Mexican car factory worker makes. I'm going to share that with you next. Patriot Radio News Hour. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. The conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Did you know that Congress once printed Bibles? At the time of the American Revolution, the British government had strict laws about printing Bibles. Only a few printers were licensed to do that, and none of them was in the American colonies, so all Bibles had to be imported from England. The Revolutionary War naturally interrupted trade with England, and there was a severe shortage of Bibles in America. In 1777, U.S. clergy petitioned the Continental Congress to have Bibles printed in America. In response, Congress passed a resolution to import 20,000 Bibles from Holland, Scotland, and other countries, but in the chaos of the war, they never arrived. So three years later, another resolution to print Bibles in America was introduced in Congress, and printer Robert Aiken petitioned Congress for permission to print them. Congress granted him permission, plus financial support, to print Bibles. His Bibles included an endorsement and recommendation from Congress on the first page. More American versions of the Bible were printed soon after. In the United States, printers had the freedom to print the Scriptures freely, without government approval. This was a radically different situation from what they had been used to under British rule, and it was a great victory for religious freedom. We now live in a country where prayer and Bible readings in public schools have been outlawed by the Supreme Court for over 50 years. We're told it's a violation of the Constitution to display the Ten Commandments in a county courthouse or to have a nativity scene at City Hall. But interestingly, the Continental Congress did not consider for a moment whether their appropriation to print the Bible was an affront to religious freedom. 
they knew it was not. When we look at changes in America, we should be concerned about our loss of religious liberty. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. He was backwards, backwards, use words. So they talk about the great jobs market here in the U.S. You hear it constantly. And they've been promising better pay. And, of course, I'm telling you, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. And I'm going to highlight this because it came out three days ago about how much a auto worker in Mexico earns. And the example that they gave was at a an Audi SUV plant. And it really doesn't matter, Audi, Ford, General Motors, but they don't want to. And, and, and using Audi makes it better somehow. They were making a, a an SUV, probably one of those mini SUVs, uh, a glorified car, really, and the, the car cost $40,000. I mean, we talk about how the average price of a new car is thirty-five grand, right? So this one's just above the average. And I'm sure with some rebates, you can get it down to the thirty-five. And they talk about Avon Flores. He spends his day transporting parts for the Audi SUV at a plant in Mexico. He makes $2.25 an hour. So just think, what would it cost if this guy made $22 an hour? Right? Because, I mean, even at 22 bucks an hour, you're not a rich man. I mean, what would the SUV that's already forty grand have to cost? For us, it would be a dream to buy the Q5. We never could, Flores said. He has three sons and makes roughly $110 a week in his paycheck. The premise of the auto industry since the times of Henry Ford was that workers would make enough money to buy the car they produced. Across the United States and Europe and most of the industrialized world, the arrival of an auto plant meant the the creation of middle-class communities with employees taking vacation buying homes and cars, hey, even a cottage or a boat. But in Mexico, where the auto industry has boomed under the North American Free Trade Agreement, plants like the auto factory, this one didn't even open until 2016. Okay, so this isn't one that opened in 2000 
or 2004 or 5 or 6. The industry has created something much different. And I'm going to tell you, these jobs are never coming back. And they can make all the scuttlebutt they want about how they added a shift here or did that here or we're going to retool. When you look at it, every single one of them is trying to eliminate as many plants as possible here. And the ones that they have here, they're not like they used to be. right? Maybe they come in and they take the plastic off or they screw in the seats, you know, but they're not making the car. They said the industry has created something much different, a class of worker that barely gets by. Right? They've turned an auto job into a, what, a waiter job. I mean, that's really what they've done, and probably, waiters probably do better. They, they, in Mexico, they cram their employees into 500-square-foot apartments in a government-subsidized project that the workers pay for over decades. Many can't even afford a used car, taking home as little as $50 a week after deduction for, for mortgages and cafeteria meals. And they talk about why it is that their their wages are stagnant, and it's the same thing. Right? They went down with the Mexican government. They organized uh, with a union. The plant, this Audi plant, has 5,000 workers on it. 5,000. And they agreed, with the help of the union and the Mexican government, wages are a dollar forty to four bucks is the most you could make. And they said pretty much everybody makes two twenty five. I don't know how they came. I don't know how they came to that number, but they have. They said that given Mexico's lack of good jobs, many people apply, including college graduates. The contract locks in wages, and it says that it now outpaces inflation and all that other other stuff. Everybody knows the conditions when they apply, Audie said. These wages, this is the union. You decide. If you don't like it, you can look elsewhere. And I bring this story up for one reason. You really think they're going to give that up? And then you got to start asking yourself, how much is it really going to cost you? In a Nissan plant, in another state in Mexico, the pay scale is two forty to four dollars and seventy five cents. By the way, Mexico's minimum wage, in case anybody was wondering, is about fifty cents an hour. And so when you think about all of the things that are going in there, BMW, right, in March opened a plant, 
signed a pre-opening labor contract that his plant says workers can earn as little as a dollar an hour with a maximum of $2.30. BMW said our salary package, the mix of daily wages and benefits, is competitive and in in, uh, accordance with the region and the market. It's time to really understand what it is. You know, when Donald Trump, remember when he ran, he talked about tariffs. He talked about bringing the jobs back. What's not in this tax package, right, there's no tariffs, which I would love to see, right? But here's the problem. That $40,000, I mean, Beamers are, I don't even know what a Beamer costs. I don't even bother to look because I know I can't afford it. I mean, what are they? 80, 90, 100 grand easy? And they're being made by people that are making a dollar to $2.40 an hour. What would it cost if they brought it here? 200 grand? Pedro Radio News Hour, just something to think about. We'll be back after the break. Hey, I think I found my wages aren't going to go up anytime. <laughs> You know, the North American Free Trade Agreement is going to go down as, I, I probably would say, the single biggest factor. You know, and, and it's hard because I know that Eric, would, when and he was going off the charts, off the chain, about how devastating this was really going to be back in the 90s and talked about the new world order and all of the process here and what this was going to do uh, to the American middle class. And it's happened. It's here. 44 million people working more than one job. And you have to. No one can make any money. I mean, there's a few. Look at, look at what we talked about yesterday. 1% have... of the wealth of the nation. And really, and once you go to 10%, you got 90. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just incredible. And, And then you start thinking about all of the debts and promises that need to be paid. Uh, This is out of the Lexington Herald. We have written frequently over the past several weeks about the disastrous pension funds in Kentucky that are anywhere from 42 to $84 billion underfunded. Just depends on what kind of math you'd like to use. Right? So even the, the Herald's like, hey, the $42 billion, yeah, no, that's, that's using some bad math. It's probably a lot closer to the $84 billion. We have argued before These pensions, like the ones in Illinois and Ohio and New Jersey and all these other states, are so helplessly underfunded, they haven't a prayer of ever being made whole again. That said, logic and math have never before stopped, upset, pension, you know, the, and I don't care if they're teachers or police or fire, 
upset people, workers, and clueless legislatures from throwing good money after bad in an effort to kick the can down the road. Right? Extend and pretend. It should come as no surprise that as we reported today, Kentucky's 365,000 teachers and other public employees are now demanding taxpayers contribute a staggering $5.4 billion to their insolvent Ponzi schemes over the next two years alone. To put that number into perspective, the $5.4 billion is roughly $3,200 for each household in the state of Kentucky. Uh, Sorry about your tax cut that you just got. Uh, We're going to need that money. That is 25%, by the way, of the entire budget for the state of Kentucky. So when you think about these numbers, right, it's $84 billion underfunded. Hey, let's just get $5.4 billion. Let's just get through these two years. And that's 25% of the budget. And I'm, and I'm going to make an assumption, and I don't know if it's true or not. My, you know, Kentucky's already paying something. So let's just say they're paying 25% of it already. Now here's another 25%, and we're still way short. They said the General Assembly in Kentucky needs to find the $5.4 billion to fund the pension system for state workers and school teachers. And I don't know, it doesn't say what happens if they don't. I I don't know. The, The money, I guess, Kentucky says, we don't have any more money in the general fund to pay for it. Says the amount of the hefty funding increase a painful squeeze for the general fund. And they say the general fund, right, it, it has, you know, about $10 billion a year. That's what they collect. And now they want to get 25% more to try to help the, the challenge. We realize this challenge that is in front of us. That's obviously part of the need for us to address pension reform co-chairman of the Oversight Board, Joe Bowen. In the short term, yeah, we're obligated to find this money. Everybody is committed to doing that. We have revealed the great challenge. We have embraced this great challenge as opposed to previous members of the legislature, perhaps, or perhaps not. In a presentation on Monday, the Oversight Board was told that total employee contributions for fiscal years 2019 and 2020 would be an estimated $2.47 billion a year, up from the $1.52 billion they currently pay, or an increase of almost a billion dollars. Unfortunately... <laughs> They still need right, $5.4 billion more. So it's not going to work. So what are we really going to do? 
and we talk about how big these problems are. Okay. Now Kentucky's come out and said, "Listen, we got a thirty-two hundred dollar per household problem." And oh, by the way, that only buys us two years. So two years from now, what is Kentucky going to say? Hey, by the way, we need another thirty-two hundred dollars, and another thirty-two hundred, and another thirty-two hundred. Problem is, no one's got thirty-two hundred. Patriot Radio News Hour final segment coming up. Final segment here on this Thursday. Uh, gold's up three twenty, twelve eighty-seven and change. Silver's up five cents, sixteen dollars eighty-eight cents. I've got another great special on Silver Eagles today. I'll have it up on the website in a few minutes after I get off the air. This just came in. We were able to do rolls of U.S. Silver Eagles at $395 a roll. Uh, and that, that just to put that in perspective, that's $2.86 over spot, uh, which is, you know, anytime you get, you know, below three and a half, it's a good deal. When you get below three, that's fantastic. Rolls of U.S. Silver Eagles. These will be backdates. They won't be 2017s. These will be the backdates. $395 a roll, and I'll add that online as well, so you'll be able to order it uh, online as well, so you don't have to call if you don't want to. Otherwise, give us a shout at 800-951-0592. U.S. Silver Eagles, 395 a roll. Uh, just to, to let you know what's going to happen. An anonymous development, Standard & Poor's and Moody's, have knocked down Hartford, Connecticut's bond ratings for the second time in two weeks, declaring a default, a virtual certainty. They said they lowered the city's bond ratings four notches into, I guess, default double C, which is super, super junk. Uh, Standard & Poor says it is increasingly likely Hartford was, expects to be negative $7 million in cash in November and another $40 million negative in December will default on its debt. Meanwhile, the $545 million in outstanding general obligation debt, Hartford's faces debt payments of about $30 million just in the next two weeks. They need $40 million in additional assistance without it Bankruptcy is a certainty, uh, the agency said in a statement on Tuesday. S&P Global Ratings lowered its ratings to D. And you kind of see where this is all heading. And, and again, they've got the same problem, right? they gotta, they got to pay for all these pensions. They can't get any more money out, out of anybody. And... Therefore, they're going to be filing bankruptcy. I don't know what that's going to mean. We're going to have to start watching this closely. We are going to see more and more of these. And, and just like retail, think about what's happening in the retail sector. That is what is going to start happening to a lot of these cities and, unfortunately, a bunch of these states in the U.S. over the next 10 years. And this is just the start of all of these. So you think about, like, Puerto Rico's already, and, of course, then they got already in default. And they just got devastated by that hurricane. Now Hartford, Connecticut's getting ready again. Kentucky's got problems. Minnesota's got problems. Ohio, I mean, it's just everywhere. 
And again, where is the money going to come from? And then you know what? I'm going to tell you where it's not going to be. It's not going to be because people are making more money because all of these companies can just go down to Mexico and pay people two bucks an hour. 800-951-0592, U.S. Silver Eagles, under $3 over spot today at $395 a roll. Call us. Everybody have a great rest of your Thursday. Hopefully I'll be here on time tomorrow.